You're listening to Can I Say That, a project created by Brenna Blaine in hopes of engaging culture as Christians in a post-Christian world. Here, we hope to ask the questions we sometimes ponder, but rarely have a chance to ask in the church. Jesus said, he is the way and the truth and the life. So we hope we can engage truth together and in extension, know the eternal life he offers. Hey, you guys, it's Brenna Blaine and Rudy Blaine Sippy. And Rudy, what is today's podcast about? The podcast is about toys. Ah! What happened? Okay, you guys, to be honest, I thought it'd be really cute if I brought my kids on because we talk a lot about parenting on this episode today. And then I ended up taking a six hour break after the mic fell over. And now I'm nursing while I'm trying to finish this. So. If this is a glimpse into anything, it is a glimpse into the reality of being a full-time stay-at-home mom while doing ministry. I am super excited for today's episode. We are talking about anger. Anger is such a common feeling for everyone, and yet anger issues is something that is not often talked about in church. A lot of people feel a lot of shame when they struggle with anger issues and they don't feel able... <laughs> they don't feel able to talk to their church community about it. So I asked my friend Lisa Bevere to come on the show and share her story with anger, how she wrestled with it, what God has done through her life, through her anger, and how God equipped the people around her to really impact her life. As always, if this episode or another has impacted your life, please let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Tag us on social media. And if you like the questions being asked or you're curious and want to ask a question, if you follow me on Instagram at Bun on My Head or Brenna Blaine, you can be involved in the questions coming up for the next and future episodes. All right, Rudy, it's your turn. We do it, Goodbye. And a little translation. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So to start us off, can you share with us your own experience with anger? When did it start and when did you realize, man, something needs to change or something's wrong? So... Sadly, I feel like I was born angry. I don't mm. remember. I don't remember the onslaught of it. Um, I grew up in an incredibly dysfunctional household, yelling, screaming, threatening, hitting. These were all just normal. And at five years of age, I lost an eye to cancer. And that would have uh, exasperated it. At 13, my parents got divorced. Then they remarried. Then they divorced again. I did not get saved until I was 21 years of age. And I kind of, Brenna, I think there might be like a little bit of a grace period where God's like, I'm just going to carry you for a little bit. <laughs> and, and then I, I was married to John. We had our first baby. I was loving life. I was a youth pastor's wife on the front row of the church. And I thought there's probably two things wrong with me just maybe, maybe some small areas of my life that might need addressing. And so I prayed an incredibly dangerous prayer. I said, God, I want you to come into my life and excavate it. Mm. Two weeks later, I was like, that was a poor word choice. 
I want you to landscape it. I don't want you to excavate. Mm. I want you to accessorize my life. Because before that, I would say maybe once a month, you know, right before my period would start, I would have a fight with my husband. I would yell. I would say things I didn't mean to say to him. But, you know, then I start my period and well, that's what it was. But after praying that prayer, everything got worse. Now mm. it wasn't once a month. It was once a week. And I would wake up feeling almost like there was a tremor inside of me. And my, I would just go storming through the house. And my husband would say, what's wrong? And I'd say, you know what's wrong? Because I had no idea what was wrong. And I remember uh, we had just moved into our first house. And I'm storming through the house, slamming cabinets, slamming doors. And I would bent over the dryer and I throw the, you know, the wet stuff into the dryer and I slam the dryer door and I turn around and my husband is standing there. And he said, I'm not going to allow you to break anything in this house. Now mm. I've already thrown a plate at my husband, broke a window, thrown another plate at my husband and dented a refrigerator. So he had, he had good reason. There was a little bit of history and he picks me up, Brenna, and he puts me in the garage. He walks me out in the garage and he said, you're going to stay out there until you calm down. Now, as you can guess, it had the very opposite effect of calming me down. <laughs> I got mad. I was like, you can't just put me to the, in the garage, whatever you want to. I opened the door, went to the front door, rang the doorbell a bunch of times. And he said, I'm not letting you in until you calm down. I'm not calming down. I'm going to go tell the neighbors, you locked me in the garage, Mr. Man of God. He was like, go ahead. And so, of course, I wasn't going to do that. So when I'm in the garage, I thought, well, fine, I'm going to stay out here until he comes to find me. So I started organizing. We just moved, going through boxes, throwing away, organizing. And he just wasn't coming for me. So I thought, all right, I'm going to have to make a point here. I want to break something of his so that he will never do this to me again. Now, you guys, I know people are getting scared right now. This was <laughs> a really, really long time ago. I've been married for. 40 years this year. Mm -hmm. This would have been in about year five or six. And so I started thinking, no, no, I don't want to have to replace anything because we're too poor. I know what I'll do. I thought I will put a dent in the lid of the Weber grill. <laughs> Every time John goes to grill, he will say, whoa, whoa, I'm not going to mess with her. She is strong. So I lift up a hammer. And this was my first, I'm telling you all this because this is my first indication. I lift up the hammer and I'm about ready to hit the grill when I hear a voice say, if you hit that grill, it's going to be you doing it. This mm -hmm. is not because you're Sicilian. This is not because you're part of Apache Indian. This is not because of your parents. This is not the witches in Orlando. This is not some demon. This is you. Mm -hmm. And you know what I did? I said, I bind condemnation and I hit the grill. Mm. Hit the grill, put a big dent in it, knocked on the door, opened, John opened the door. I said, look at this. I hit it one time. And he said, I don't know what it's going to take for you to get a grip on your temper. And I said, you shouldn't have pushed me. Mm. I continued to make everybody else responsible for my responses. And then I had my second child. And I like to say it this way. One child is an accessory. 
you take them out, you dress them up, they behave well. It's all a trick to get you to have more children. <laughs> when I had my second son, I thought I will never brush my teeth before noon again. Mm. We only had one car. John would go to the youth office and he would come home and I'd be standing there with my nursing flaps down, a baby in my arms, another one on my legs, a spank spoon in my hand. And he would say, what have you done all day? Because the house would be in devastation. And I would have spent the day on the phone answering people that were calling, saying that they were wrestling with problems. And, and I was like, I am at my wit's end. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like every single day was a complete failure. And I no longer saw my firstborn as this child I was so in love with. I thought this is the one that is the obstacle that is keeping me from having successful days because I put my second son down for a nap, wrestle with my firstborn to get him down. And right when he'd fall asleep, the baby would wake up. And then mm -hmm. I'd be like, I'm not getting a shower. I'm flunking the test again. So I remember my oldest son, Addison, was coming down the stairs once again after I'd put him down for a nap. He would know when the phone rang, this is before portable phones, that I was trapped. I went running up to meet him. And this is the frightening thing, Brenna. I no longer even saw my son. There was just this rage in me. And I walked into his room. I'm holding this beautiful two-year-old. And I'm thinking, what can I do to, so that he does not get off his bed again? Mm. And I heard, pick him up, eye level, slam him into the wall, and put him down on the bed. Then he'll know to stay. And in that moment, I thought, okay, that makes sense. That's what I need to do. I picked my son up eye level and I saw something. I no longer saw a son who was afraid of what I was going to do because he had no idea what I was going to do. I recognized in that moment that my son was afraid of me mm. and it broke me. I put him down. I never slammed him into the wall. I put him down and I went to downstairs and just began to weep. Mm. And I said, God, it's not my parents. They're not here. It's not my husband. He's not here. It's not the Apache. It's not the Sicilian. It's me. Mm. I have a real problem with anger and I don't know how to get free. And Brenna, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments when you cry until there's just nothing left. It's like a storm overtakes you and you're just completely spent. Mm. And in that span of emptiness, I heard the Holy Spirit say, because you're no longer justifying this, I'll take it out of your life. Mm. Because what we justify, we buy. We say we've earned the right to be this way because of what's been done to us. But the truth is, we should not live according to what was done to us. We should live according to what was done for us. Mm. That day I picked up the phone. I called my mom. I forgave her for all the years of hitting, kicking, slamming. Because see, if I don't forgive, I'm doomed to live in shame and bondage and in my case to repeat the very thing I didn't forgive in my mother. I wept. I cried over the phone with her. I said, mom, will you forgive me for not forgiving you? 
I said, I almost hurt my son. I can't mm. even imagine what it was like for you. You were married to an alcoholic. I'm married to a pastor. Mm. And here I am asking this way. She forgave me. Then I called one of my friends. I told her what almost happened. But she said, but it didn't happen, Lisa. I said, but, but it could have. Mm. And so I thought, okay, she's, she's not going to be an accountability person for me. I'm going to call my husband. So when my husband came home, I said, I need to talk to you. And he said, okay, tell me about this. I said, I almost hurt our son today. And here's the beauty. When I confess my sins to God, I'm forgiven. When I confess my sin to my mother of not ever forgiving her, a healing took place. Mm. But when I confess my sin to my husband, I now had accountability. And I remember we prayed and then we started to take actions. I started to have some tools. I started to see that this anger that I had justified saying, well, I lost an eye. Well, my parents were divorced. Well, you know, I had a hard life or whatever the, the list that I would draw on in that moment, I realized that I did not want to live by that anymore. I wanted to walk in freedom. You know, I listen to this story and I identify, especially with bringing my second born home and just mm. struggling with anger with my firstborn. And one of the questions that someone in our audience asked, but that I've also just been wondering, what are some ways that we can repair the damage that our anger has done with our children? And how has that looked? Maybe if you could give us some examples of how it looks when, when they're younger, and then maybe how it looks as they get older into high school. Absolutely. Well, you know, first of all, because I didn't actually hurt my son. I, I planned on never telling him about it. Mm. And then I walked into the room one day and unbeknownst to me, Brenna, I was on television sharing that testimony mm. and my son heard it mm. first born. And he turned and looked at me and I thought, oh no, what is, what is, what's going to happen here? And he said, I, I can't see you that way. And I was like, well, I can still see myself that way. I'm really glad mm. you can't. And so first and foremost, apologizing means I'm sorry. Now, I don't know how you grew up, but this is how I heard apologies from my mom. Or can I even say confessing? My mom would say, I'm so sorry I hit you, but you make me so mad. Mm. Or I'm so sorry I hit you, but it was always my fault. It was always, I'm sorry I hit you, but... and and. You, as a, as a parent, we have to model what confession looks like. And confession is no excuses, no holds barred. We just say, I am so sorry. And that's what I said to my son in that moment. I said, I'm so sorry I scared you. I'm so sorry. I, I love you. I'm so sorry I scared you. Not making excuses, not laying blame, and then coming up with constructive things because I was I don't know about you but I did not have healthy parenting modeled for me mm. so if you don't have healthy parenting modeling modeled for you you know what you don't want to do but you don't know what you do want to do mm. so my parents never apologized they never owned their mistakes without blaming me so all I heard was I'm sorry that you are such a bit terrible child that I have to do things 
that I'm sorry to do. Mm. So I had to go to an older woman and I had to say, tell me, I see you with your kids. You have beautiful kids. Help me. And she just said, well, I never say something twice. I'm like, what? How, how did you, how did you do that? She's like, well, I say it one time with clarity and I, and if there's any confusion, they have every right to ask me, like, well, what exactly are you asking me to do mom or whatever? And she said, and then there is follow through. Mm. So like, for example, if, if you tell your kids, Hey, I want you to pick up your room. I'm going to come up here in 15 minutes. I'm going to set the timer so you guys don't lose track of time. I want to see your room cleaned up. Do you guys know what that looks like? Yes, we know what that looks like. Is that enough time? Yes, that's enough time. You set the thing. Then if they come up and it's not done, say, gosh, guys, I was so excited about, you know, having, having the snack with you right now, but it looks like we can't do that right now because you're going to have to finish this up. Or, so it's, it's, a, it's not going to always be a spanking. It's, it's not going to be berating them with yelling. It's not necessarily going to be time out because I don't think time out, out is healthy unless the child needs to regroup. So when they're young, you own it and apologize and you start to create constructive pathways. When they're older, you own it and apologize. Uh, I went to lunch today with this couple who are absolutely amazing. They're missionary couples. They took their kids into the jungles of Nicaragua and they've been in Mexico. They've been in the missions field forever. And the beautiful thing about this couple is all of their children love them, love God and serve God. Mm. I, I lived with an awareness that redemption is real because mm. all four of my sons serve God love God and love John and I. And that does not happen when you don't own your mistakes. And one of the things that our, uh, this couple and John and I were talking about that they asked us, hey, you know, the biggest testimony to us about you and John is your children. And we said, we 100% agree. And, we, and then John made the point, we've apologized to our children a lot. And mm. they said, we have done the same. And if too many leaders think apologizing or, or saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I yelled, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening, I'm sorry, I, you know, snapped or what, you know, whatever the, whatever the infraction is, they think that saying you're sorry diminishes your authority, but it actually establishes it. Mm. Because when parents are vulnerable, then your children understand that you're dependent on God. And I've told my kids before, when I've been short with them and my heart is grieved, I come back to them and say, guys, I'm so sorry. I walked out of the room. I did not need to talk that way. And I felt so grieved in my spirit. Will you mm. forgive me? I've also told my kids when they were young, if I thank you out of anger or frustration, guess what? God thanks me. I hear about it, you know, because discipline should never be done in anger because then it's punishment mm. and punishment is in frustration, in anger. And all the child remembers is the frustration and the anger, not what you're trying to teach them. 
you shared about how John became an accountability partner for you. How can someone come along their spouse who is struggling with anger without getting emotional themselves? That's a good question. I think I was so broken when I came to John. I wasn't like, hey, I almost did this. You know, all moms do this. This is just a rough day. I, I didn't do any of that. Um, I think a spouse could come along and say, all right, let's, let's talk about some patterns that I've seen that mm. seem to push you over the edge. Um, okay, let's, let's say it's my husband. This, I'll, I'll just be 100% honest with something that I don't do enough for myself. I am great at taking care of everybody but Lisa. Mm. So my husband would have said, you know what? I think you just need to go for a walk right now. Mm. Not punishment, a reset. Or, okay, Lisa, if I, if I hear you saying things where I can tell you're going to escalate something to a level where it shouldn't be, I'm, let's talk about what me stepping in looks like. And so, and, and I do that for John too. There's, there's no lack of passion in our household. And so if John begins to take something from a level one to a level 10, or I take it from a level one to a level 10, we have an agreement that if either of us looks at the other one and either does a hand motion, like bring it down, or if bring it down doesn't work, say, hey, can we step out of the room a moment? We have to go. Hmm. We, we, you aren't allowed to say, no, I'm going to, no, we're not allowed to do that. We have to go. And I remember being on the phone years and years ago, of course, because my, my boys are men, um, and saying something to the effect of, when I get off the phone, I'm spanking everyone. Mm. And my husband said, uh, did you just tell the boys you're spanking all of them? And I said, yes. And he said, are you really going to do that? I said, no. He said, so, so you're actually lying to our children. Mm. And I said, I, you're right. So I sat down with my boys and I said, you know how mom's been yelling? I was like, yes. Said, Do you know how mom's been like, because I was like nursing one child and like trying to herd three other ones, mm -hmm. and, like slap at them and be running, you know, running through the house. And I said, you know, you know how I've been slapping at? And they're like, yes. And, and I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And of course they were like, yay. And I said, I'm going to say it one time. And then you're going to make sure you understand what I'm saying. And then we're going to be consistent and, and there's going to be followers. And mm. of course, while I was saying it, Brenna, I thought, it's never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so like I modeled it. I said, so if I say, hey, Addison, I need you to go upstairs and do, uh, or take out the trash or something. And you go, ah. Why do I always have to take out the trash? Why does an Austin ever have to do it? I'll say, see, you just lost your reward. Because God doesn't just look at our actions. He looks at our attitude. And the Bible says to be willing and obedient. So what does willing look like? Willing looks like something that we should couple with obedience. Because I can be obedient and unwilling. Or I can say, sure, I'll do it and never do it which is also a problem. And I felt like those whys wove themselves into conversations rather than just merely course correction. 
we've talked a lot about parenting specifically, but just in general, what is the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger? And are humans, fallen humans, even capable of having righteous anger? And if so, like, how do we process that? How do we figure out if our anger is righteous or unrighteous? Well, I think it's probably need to start by saying there's three stages of anger. So there's anger, which means a heightened state of awareness. Something is not right. Something is wrong. Rage is where you're actually wanting to punish somebody. Mm. And wrath is when you do punish someone. So wrath alone is reserved for God. You know, God is like, I'm the only one that can navigate wrath. So that's why our country has laws. Like, you know, if somebody really upsets you, you're not allowed to shoot them. You're not Mm. allowed to kill them. You know, you're not allowed to beat them. You're not allowed to rob from them. Those are all punitive actions. Rage looks for a target. And so it's going towards the unhealthy end of the spectrum. When you are angry, you have an opportunity to say, why am I angry? Um, What is going on right now? Is this a trigger of something that's unhealed in me? Or is this because I'm seeing someone else at risk? I think righteous anger always has a factor of protecting somebody else rather than defending ourselves. So, and again, I'm not saying if, you know, somebody was coming after me at the night, I would just stand there. Um, But I will say if somebody was coming after one of my grandkids, I would feel like that would be a more protective mode. Does that make sense? Instead of self-defense, it's other defense. I, Mm. I guess I would say righteous anger tends to be outwardly focused, not, not self-focused. So it's right for us to be angry about injustice, but it's wrong for us to look for someone to blame. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what we have to do, if I see injustice, rather than saying, well, that's because of those people, I have to say, what part do I play in that? Mm. Do I have a part in that? Okay, if I don't have a part in what's wrong, can I play a part in making things right? Is it an area where God has given me any authority, any influence, any ability? If it isn't, then I need to just turn it over to God. So I think right now we're living in a day and time where everything is making everyone angry all the time. And there is nothing more frustrating than feeling responsible for something you have no authority over Mm. or you don't even have the whole story Mm. you and I every single day are being presented with things that would make us angry but what I have to do is I have to make a choice that I can edit do I have do I have say over what's happening in another country no do I have say over what's happening in, you know, no. Where do I have say? My own soul, my home, my neighbors, the people under my care or under my influence. But that's why it's wrong to attack other people that you don't actually have a relationship with. I think sometimes 
we are really quick to judge and judge always goes with wrath and rage because judgment so okay so again this is if you if you've had a lot of hurt in your background judgment judging other people and cutting them off actually becomes a self uh, defense mechanism i remember there was a a, a young woman this is when when i was much younger um, who kept talking bad about me. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's done it again. Mm. And I thought in my mind, that's it, that's it. I'm cutting her off. And as soon as I like, and again, I just said it in my head. As soon as I thought that, God said, is that how you want me to treat you? Mm. And he said, because the measure you use on her is how I'm going to measure it back to you. And he said, Lisa, when you judge somebody, you say they're never going to change. Therefore, I never need to be reconciled with them. And he said, I'm okay with boundaries. I'm okay with, I've learned that's not a safe situation. But when you cut people off, that is not healthy. I know the answer to this question, but it always surprises me, like in my own life, when I think, Oh, I could sit down and pray about this, but I don't really want to. And then when I look back on the things that I actually have consistently prayed about, I go, oh my gosh. And I don't know why I'm surprised, but I always go, oh my gosh, like prayer has actually worked. Mm-hmm. What, what has been the fruit that you have seen in your life from being consistent in spiritual practices in the realm of anger? Like how has good fruit come out of of surrendering this to god that was such a great question well first of all i had to begin arresting my own behavior five minutes at a time Mm. like (laughs) i mean if i had looked at my life like for all of today i'm never going to mess up again i mean say i'm just coming out of talking to my husband the night before telling what already happened feeling like I've got to go the whole day and be perfect. I was like, I I probably am not going to make it. So I'm going to say for the next five minutes, I'm going to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath, slow to anger. I'm going to slow down my responses. Another thing for me, Brenna, um, this is kind of funny, but possibly true uh I got to go be part of a songwriting at Integrity Music and I explained to them I said I think you guys are the reason that all of my children are healthy and whole and they were like why and I said because I would turn on worship music first thing in the morning and I would sing my way through the day Mm. having worship music constantly feeding into our house feeding into my mind my kids talk about how they would see me just, just prostrate on the floor, crying, dancing. That was me dealing with my anger issues. Also, I found that for me, it wasn't just trying about behavioral correction. I took it to prayer and went to the root. God, why am I so angry? What is going on? And he showed me that it had a fear motivation. And the fear motivation that was in my life came from a heart of unbelief. 
See, if you had called me, Brenda, at that time and said, Lisa, will you pray with me? I would have prayed with all of my heart and my soul because I would have believed that God would be good to Brenna, but I would not believe that God would be good to me Mm. because I had not reconciled that God really loved me. Mm. I had to learn about the love of a father who, whenever I do sin, which sadly happens. I mean, yesterday, my husband and I, we had this beautiful day planned. And then I, I had a moment and, uh, and I had to just come to him and say, I am so out of line. I should not have talked that way. And then we had a beautiful day, but it started about an hour and a half later than it needed to. And I, whenever I've come to John or whenever I've come to God, I always have the sense that he is saying to me, I believe you want to change and I forgive you. So if God is not keeping a record of my wrongs, why should I? So prayer just kind of deconstructed that whole idea that I had been raised with, that you, I'll believe you're sorry when you stop it, which meant I had this burden that I couldn't carry forward. And God's like, I believe you're sorry. And because I believe you're sorry, and I believe you want to change, you will stop it. So Prayer has just really been a revelation for me of surrender and receiving. You shared so many beautiful things with us today. And I'm just so encouraged. And it's so funny just to even just today, I had a conversation with my son's teacher about, man, I got to follow through with consequences because in the end, that's what's going to be best for both of us on our end. And so uh, both practical and spiritual yeah. Yeah. is just so good to hear from someone who who's raised four boys. And so thank you for sharing with us today. For those who are listening, who want to know more about you or hear more from you, can you tell us about your podcast and then any of your books that you feel might be a good resource for someone who's struggling with anger right now? Yes. So I have an entire book on anger called Be Angry, But Don't Blow It, How to Maintain Your Passion Without Losing Your Cool. So I have that book. I, I believe we also have the courses on um, Messenger X, which is a free app that they can download. And then we have two podcasts, one I host with my husband called Conversations with John and Lisa. And then another one I host by myself called The Godmother. And they can, they can access any of those wherever podcasts are. And then I do prefer Instagram to Twitter. I hardly ever go over to Twitter. Um, I know it's there. I just don't think people are very nice there. So I do have a Instagram account that I probably pay a lot more attention to than my Facebook. So any of those. And I also think that if they need a revelation of the love of God, Uh, the book Without Rival will help them. And if they need practical parenting, Godmothers is a good resource. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the conversation. Brenna and I hope you found it both helpful and relevant. If you have any questions or thoughts, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Can I Say That Show. We almost always use Instagram stories to ask questions pertaining to the next episode leading up to the recording. So keep a lookout for such in case you have any burdening questions on that topic and for the opportunity to potentially have your questions asked. 
Either way, thanks again for listening, and as Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, test everything, hold fast what is true.